<laughs> that was weird. All right. Uh, technology. Love it. <laughs> All right. Whew. Well, thank you for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. So um, it, oh, it uh, took a is, uh, I was like, right? Such I as the, the Powers Back Edition. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first time using this. This is kind of cool. You know, I actually have uh, uh, Nick Mancuso to thank for this. Uh, probably our first episode, whatever it was, like a month and a half ago. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know what? I would love to do an Instagram thing. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's let's try it because we're already working on the podcast component. Yeah. Um, this tied in really nicely. So if anybody's uh, listening right now, there is an Instagram component to this, right? Follow us at Atwood Hall Press. Uh, and you could watch this if you if you'd rather and see us fiddling around with the camera and doing all kinds of fun things. See us with our COVID hair. <laughs> the COVID. You can't see right now. I actually have my hair pulled back in this tiny, tiny little bun. Look, Look at you. Well, I haven't had a haircut since March. Rocking the man bun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a little, little bun. <laughs> I've been doing at home cuts, and so it's um it's looking like kid and play from the nineties. <laughs> I love that. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's start it off. Hi, I'm David Lugier of Woodhall Press, and you're tuned in to publish this over lunch. I'm joined today by Colin Hostin. Colin is a writer and teacher with a diverse professional background. Include that includes um, children's book publishing and digital media. Uh, he's also a former council member and currently at-large member of the Board of Education in the city of Norwalk, Connecticut. Colin graduated with an MFA in creative writing from Fairfield University, and his work has appeared most recently in such outlets as the Essay Review, Essay Daily, the Gay and Lesbian Review, Spry Literary, Thought Catalog, Out Magazine, and the Brevity Blog. Originally from Trinidad, he studied English literature at uh, Morehouse, Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, before earning his first degree in publishing at NYU. Uh, after eight years in editorial at Disney's uh, Children's Book Group, Colin shifted gears to become a lecturer in the undergraduate core writing program at Fairfield University. Also, congratulations on, I believe you got teacher of the year, right, this year? Uh, he's also a partner. Adjunct, yeah. Yeah, as adjunct, yeah, it's wonderful. Um, he's you. also a partner at the publishing startup Woodhall Press. So as you're listening to publish this over lunch, here's your other half here. Um, uh, Colin Host, and he continues to freelance as a children's book writer and editor. And I asked Colin to be here today because he's one of the um, most knowledgeable people I know in different areas of publishing, specifically with children's and juggling a lot of things. And uh, I was kind of, I've been trying to get him on since last Wednesday, and then the hurricane hit, and we've been out of power. So thank you, everybody, uh, for tuning in today. So, uh, Colin, um, you know, would you just start us off with? something you found incredibly inspiring in 2020 in the literary world. Um, yeah, well, it's been uh, quite a year. <laughs> it's been, been like mm -hmm. the last week has been quite a year. Um, and of course, publishing, you know, uh, the industry is, 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 has been kind of uh, grappling with and contending with everything, all these uh, sort of, uh, global macro forces, just like everybody else. Um, and yet, I think that, you know, I've been inspired by uh, the commitment that really um, publishing houses, large and small, have have shown to publishing good work. And not just good work, but really, you know, um, uh, 
world-changing work, work that is, is, is intended to have, um, you know, a, a, a positive impact on our society, particularly given what's going on uh, politically right now. So uh, I think, you know, publishing is doing its part to, um, to get us through this really uh, challenging moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that idea that the, uh, I call it the, the community of writing and writers, uh, actually, in some ways, has never been stronger. I've been seeing people coming together in really impressive ways and in supporting one another. And uh, a lot of these uh, Zoom events, even, I actually feel like authors are connecting more now with their fans in some ways than they have in ages because people are more easily able to attend a Zoom conference, you know, from Connecticut and they're, the, you know, the authors in Arizona, for instance, right? So you're, I'm finding I'm connecting more with authors that I normally wouldn't get to connect with. Absolutely, 100%. I've, I've seen, I've noticed the same thing. Um, you know, I think that hopefully once we're past um, the worst of this public health epidemic, we keep that in mind as a way to make some of these uh, events uh, and interactions more accessible. Um, just, you know, you know, um, uh, through screen with people for whom it's, it's hard, you know, to get to a, a place physically. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, in addition to being this tremendously talented writer and editor, you're also a publisher, a community leader, uh, award-winning teacher and husband. How do you find the time? Right. So I've asked this on a couple of the, the recent uh, episodes because I'm amazed at how much people uh, do and how they do it. So, you know, what's your secret for balance? Yeah, you know, <laughs> thank you. It's a good <laughs> question. I don't know that I have, I don't even know that I've found the secret. I mean, you know, clearly um, in some ways I have to be very regimented about it. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I uh, particularly as a, an instructor and, and as an educator, um, I have to set uh, time boundaries so that I can uh, I can be available to my students, but that they c- don't monopolize my my entire day. Uh, yes. So you know, a lot of it is just kind of setting time boundaries, and then part of it is also actually not being able to do everything. What I mean by that is, you know, I prioritize so that at the end of the day, yeah, I I have usually yeah. things on my to do list that just did not get done, and I have to be okay with that. You know, I just have to say, well, you know, tomorrow's another day. You know. One, something you've, that you've done that's always impressed me and you kind of imparted this on me is you'll set times each day for, you say, like, for instance, your students, right? You yeah. can only meet between, let's say, the hours of 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. on email, and that's it. And you make very clear boundaries within what your time is and, and where it's allocated. And I think that is really crucial. Um, and yeah. I, I, I'm trying to get better at that. It's so hard to not do the, you know, the email at 1230 as you're laying in bed. And then all of a sudden, you know, that email sits in your mind and actually gives you bad sleep because then you're like thinking about everything you got to do the next day right. because I, I looked at that email. Right. Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, it's hard to avoid it. I mean, like, you know, we, we have these computers attached to our hands and, um, and it's hard not to react to every um, notification. Um, but yeah, I do. I, it's, it's, a, it's my way of setting expectations so that I, you know, I do guarantee for the most part, I respond to emails within 24 hours. Um, but you know, it, that might be 20 hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, I was actually 
thinking about this earlier. Uh, I don't know. You've probably been getting this. I've been getting bombarded in some ways with, um, kind of, I call them the stranger connects. Like, hey, let's connect. Let's connect. And it's such a, it's such a, 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 a time demand, right? Like, let's connect. And I was thinking earlier, I actually wanted to do a webinar called Let's Disconnect. Yeah. Let's stop connecting for a little bit. Let's actually just have one day where all we do is just kind of, you know, work on one project, quietly listening to music or something. Let's have yeah. a day where we actually just disconnect. I'm tired of connecting all the time. <laughs> I love connecting, but I'm done. Too much connecting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I guess it's one of the, uh, I hate to say, but like a silver lining of what's been, what we've been going through the last few months is that we've been forced to slow down. We've been forced to, um, you know, to kind of, uh, uh, to, to not feel like we have to do everything and be everywhere. And, uh, you know, I, I, in some ways I've, I've enjoyed those moments, you know, where I've been reading a whole lot more, which is great. Oh, yeah. I'm, you know, in some ways, yes. And I, like, it's a, it's a weird double-edged sword with this uh, movement, you know, we're all working from home because it's suddenly very challenging to separate work from home now, right? Yes. So uh, it was easy before, like, okay, you go into an office, you go somewhere, you go to the coffee shop, right? Even the coffee shop would be our office, right? But now it's like your home right. is your office. So it's it's very challenging to get that uh, the right balance. Absolutely. I think a lot of people find that they're not actually working from home. They're living at work. <laughs> Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, you hit it. Yeah. Uh, so shifting kind, you know, like this idea of publishing, right? Stick yeah. with this idea. Uh, I'm going to, this is kind of like a big question, but, you know, what's the most unethical practice that you see in the publishing industry? Is there anything that just kind of jumps out at you still to this day in 2020 and you just go, what the hell, right? Yeah. Um yeah, that is a big question. <laughs> um, it is. It is. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, one of the things I've been inspired by this year is how the publishing industry has, um, in some ways, um, added to the chorus of voices calling for, you know, greater kinds of uh, equity and accountability and, and justice in our society. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, to the extent historically, and even today, that it has not done that. In fact, sometimes it's been part of the problem of, of um, sort of uh, extending systemic inequality. Yeah, that's something that I think, you know, has been unethical. You know, there are moments um, where, uh, uh, you know, a, a company might publish a book or something that it knows is um, adding to the problem. And yet, yeah. you know, they're kind of prioritizing uh, profits. Yes. So, you know, I think that still goes on clearly, and um, I, I, it's it's something that I think we we all need to reckon with. It's that idea of profit over people, yeah. and I that is definitely a, a challenge in most industries. But you do see that a lot in publishing, especially where the barrier to entry for a book might be, let's say, two thousand units year one, right? And you say, but this book deserves to be told. It's a great book; it needs to be out there. But it's sort of this profit over people and. Um, even the concept, this is somewhat related, but still drives me bananas is like publishing is the only industry that allows, uh, returns, right? You can buy a book, sit on it for like eight months, read it countless times and then return it. And, uh, it's just, it's a carryover for right from the great depression and it just never went away. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, and, and the industry has a lot of power, clearly other forms of media 
have uh, become, you know, very ubiquitous and, and, and powerful. Social media is doing a lot in terms of um, uh, its, its role in, in, in communities and uh, societies around the world. But publishing continues to have a huge role in terms of which voices get amplified and which do not. And, and, um, and you know, uh, it's the old Spider-Man thing, with great power comes great responsibility. And we have to, <laughs> we have to be really careful about that. I love that. I love that. Uh, and, well, sticking kind of with that, it's this, uh, you know, I see a lot of is the responsibility, but then even this concept of ego, right? That's something I hear a lot from writers and people in the industry. Uh, it's it, some say, you know, the bigger the ego, right, the, the better the talent. Uh, others, the opposite. Now, you're extremely talented and successful, yet also Thanks. one of the most humble Right. And genuine people. I have had the pleasure of calling a friend and a partner. So does a big ego help or hurt writers as I build your ego up here? Even now? But like, <laughs> I was gonna say. It's not going to do anything. You know, like you're, you're so like, I actually when I talk to people I'm like, oh, yeah, Colin, I'm like, you know, like you're, you're so humble yet you've obtained the success. So how do you check yourself? And, you know, does a big ego help or hurt writers? Who thinks? Well, you know, uh, it, it, I certainly don't mind hearing how great I am. So please continue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, clearly, um, I think ego can be used as a tool for, you know, uh, positive creativity and so on. But it, overall, it is it is mostly a liability I have found. Um, if yeah. you are if you are a writer, if you are anybody really, uh, you know, working to improve and get better at your craft, then your you know ego is a, is is your enemy, right? Um, I have to remind myself that I, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Uh, even, uh, you know, put, uh, relative setbacks are, you know, potentials to learn and grow. I mean, you know, and so I, uh, it's, I, for me, I find it very easy to keep that ego in check because, um, uh, I'm, I'm just mostly concerned with, with my own, uh, growth and improvement. I don't really, yeah, I don't really put much stock into what other people think about me, which I think is helpful. And I, I wonder how much you've even gained as a teacher, right, from this, because as a teacher, you know, it's like, leave the ego at the door. Like, you know, you learn as much from your students as your students learn from you. And as that constant learning that you mentioned, right, that's so um, important. And I think people forget that, that we're constant learners, from the moment we're born to the moment we die, we're, we're constantly learning. There's always something. I love learning how much we don't actually know, especially in publishing. It's like, oh, wow, I hadn't even considered that before. Absolutely, um, yeah. And teaching is a great example, too, because I think there's no better way to be reminded of how much you don't know than by standing in front of a classroom, you know, uh, in front of students who expect you to explain the world to them. Uh, and so a lot of what, what I teach, and I know that um, uh, this is, has been your approach too, is, um, is, is to teach students to question, to explore, to discover, and to learn. You know, I'm teaching them how to continue to learn, right? So. Mm -hmm. I, I love the idea, like when we were children, right? It's the, the concept of why, right? We used to ask why for everything. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere along the way, we stop asking why. Um, and it's just... I find that that curiosity, right, the, the lifelong learning, the lifelong curiosity, it all ties into, well, I would say, great writing. So sticking with the writer's side of what you do, 
Uh, is it, do you try to be more original or to deliver what readers want, right? There's this, I get that a lot from people. They say, well, should I try to write original, originally or should I be writing what I know people want to read? What do you think about that? Um, so, you know, I, I would say that, you know, ideally what people want is originality, right? Now, clearly, um, you know, what we see a lot of in publishing, but also pretty much every other kind of media is uh, what we call trends, right? So the vampire trend, the dystopian trend, the whatever else, you know, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, I think there's room for both. Um, uh, but yeah, clearly, you know, when, when, when we talk about telling that universal story, right, it doesn't necessarily mean to tell a story that uh, everybody in the world is going to be able to identify with. It may be telling a story that's so, 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 so specific to one experience that somebody else reading it will say, gosh, that sounds a lot like my experience. You know, even though I have nothing you know, to do with it, I understand that this person is, is having this sort of singular um, uh, experience. And so, you know, I, yeah, if, for, if you're asking me, then, yeah, I'm, I, I would always say be original, you know, um, tell, tell whatever story you're, uh, is, is in your heart. I love that. And it's, you know, I think, I forget, uh, it might have actually been in, uh, well, it's been in numerous writing guides, but I think I recall reading it in Stephen King's on writing. There was a quote specifically that said, you know, if you try to write like you sound like somebody else, you're never actually going to be a writer, right? You have to discover your own voice and find your own originality. So for anybody listening, don't try to write like the next such and such. Write like who you are, right? Content. Be original to who you are. Whatever your idea is, let it be uh, original. But I would say keep in mind the end reader, right? Uh, it's the – I remember even when we were in the MFA program together, I remember my first uh, novel I was working on. It was wonderful for me because I didn't actually keep the writer in mind. Um, it, was, it was personal. Mm-hmm. So then when I went back and reworked on the novel, I had this wonderful novel in place that I needed to then think of the end user and then reshape it. So there is a balance between both of these of writing originally, but also keeping the end reader in mind, at least. Uh, so yeah, it's, and, it's You know, and what I, I tell to other writers, and, and of course I have to remind myself sometimes, is that that's not very hard to do because one of the um, most important things for being a good writer is to be a good reader. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, you don't have to, you know, kind of uh, 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 stress too much trying to think about what does the reader want. You're a reader, yeah. you know, so just, um, you know, kind of uh, think about your own reading habits, the things that make you uh, respond and sing and, 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 you know, filled with joy and, you know, go with that. So the reader is critical, right, as yes. both a writer and publisher, the reader. How do you balance making demands on the reader with taking care of the reader, <laughs> right? It's this idea like you're asking something from this reader. You're making a demand of them, right? You're saying, hey, I want you to read 400 pages. I want you to spend twenty nine ninety five. I want you to invest in this. You're making a demand on them. But how do you take care of the reader? Because I don't hear enough about what publishers and people uh, do and writers um, thinking of the reader. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a good one. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's, these are great questions. I, um, you know, for me, it's like kind of uh, tearing down that wall, separating, you know, publisher, writer, and reader, right? They're not necessarily three different entities. When you think about, for example, what you know, what you and you and I do, we're all we're all three, you know, yeah. um, and so it helps it helps to kind of really uh, uh, think of the reader as not this separate entity, but um, this immediate uh, humanized person, and and just kind of uh, go from there, like you know, respond the way that um, you as a reader would want to be responded to. Exactly, and I and I love that you bring that up because. You know, I, I don't think the everybody always thinks of the reader as separate entity, but really we're all one in the same. When when we're thinking about uh, a book, you know, if you're a writer listening, if you're a publisher listening, always just think of yourself as the reader. What do you want to read? What would you be willing to pay? Where would you be willing to shop? Right. So if you put yourself in the shoes of what we are, which we're all readers, right? I think it helps shape the conversation. Uh, yeah, we never want to lose that connection, right? I mean, like, yes, you can go on to publish several books and become a best-selling author, but don't lose the reader within. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. All right. So uh, lastly, uh, three things. Uh, first, coffee or tea? <laughs> uh, tea, for sure. I don't drink coffee. Yeah. And I love uh, <laughs> tea. The act of making tea is so therapeutic and calming. Um, it's a drink that starts working before you even drink it. All right. Uh, what's one, uh, what gets you up each morning? One quote, motto, song, what fills you and gets you out of bed? Um, (laughs) so, uh, the thing that I, that I've been uh, holding on to for a long time is this, um, saying that, uh, that goes, any progress is progress. And it goes back to your question earlier about like, you know, uh, juggling a lot of uh, different roles. Uh, sometimes it is, you know, easy to feel daunted and feel like, oh, gosh, I didn't get through everything today. I didn't, you know, uh, complete everything I needed to do. But I remind myself that I did some. <laughs> and that's better than none. <laughs> so um, any progress is progress. It's good. Um, it's a good uh, uh, rule of thumb for those of us who are writers as well. Right. This novel is taking you longer than you thought. This story is um, harder to break through than, you know, than you want. Um, uh if even if you get through a few sentences today, it's better than none. Yeah, I like that. In fact, I'm going to use that as my mantra tonight as I sit down and attempt to write and spend far too long. Uh, so I'm going yeah. to embrace something. Um, all right. Yeah. And finally, what's just one parting piece of advice or tip for people? You know, you've got uh, everybody listening, writers, uh, authors, publishers, just people that are interested in publishing. What's a tip or, that you would give them to take away from this? Yeah, I, it's kind of related to, you know, that that mantra that I, get, I use for myself, which is, you know, every, any progress is progress. Don't feel daunted by the fact that you may not have lived up to, you know, today's goals. That's fine. Tomorrow's another day. Um, you know, for me, the thing that's kept me going and hopefully will continue is mm-hmm. that, you just never, ever, ever give up. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's the the minute you say, "Great, I am done with this," then you're done. Yeah. You know, yeah. it may take you it may take you ten years to get that 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 book sold. It may take you fifteen. It may take you you know whatever. I mean, like you know, <laughs> we're going through a lot right now. So I think it's just a matter of like um, one being 
uh, a little easier on yourself, and two, um, never, ever, ever giving up. I like that, particularly the never giving up on yourself. Um, you know, even if that book never gets published, you still enjoyed writing it, right? And you still enjoyed the creation. Um, that's really why we do it. The publication's nice, but the it's the act of the writing, right? So don't don't right. give up. Correct. Um, so I'd like to uh, thank you, Colin, for being here today. Um, and anybody uh, listening, watching, if you have any questions, uh, please feel free to contact me directly at david at woodhallpress.com. Or uh, you can actually find Colin at uh, woodhallpress.com. He's, uh, he's listed right on there. Um, and uh, that's it. Unless anything else, Colin, that you'd like yeah, to this say? Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much. I love this. This is a great conversation. I feel like <laughs> I, I'm inspired now. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. And uh, have a good one. All right. You too, Dave. Take care.